Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Could the addition of Gonzaga be a gateway to the Pacific Northwest for the Big 12 Conference when it comes to expansion? My thoughts on that. And also, your week six Big 12 power rankings coming your way. This is the Neighborhood Watch. I am your host, Josh Neighbors, here on Crystal Ball College Football. We are part of the 365 Sports Network here on Crystal Ball College Football. Five-plus days a week of Big 12 content. Make sure you guys find us wherever you get your podcasts and on Twitter slash X at NWPod365. You guys can find me at Josh Neighbors underscore. So before we get to the power rankings, I wanted to talk a little bit about Gonzaga and uh, you know the potential of addition there. And look, I think we're going to know something here in the next two weeks about whether or not Brett Yormark and the league are going to add Gonzaga. But I think it's important to note, like, is, is the addition of Gonzaga something that could signal the Big 12 wanting to add schools beyond Gonzaga in the Pacific Northwest, namely uh, Oregon State and Washington State? And to me, the answer is no, because of a couple things. Number one, Brett McMurphy saying that uh, the Big 12 is not interested right now. That's what he said in his piece the other day uh, about their interest in Oregon State and Washington State. And I think what you have to understand is when, it, when people are talking about this situation right here, there are a few things we have to note. Number one, things do change, right? Brett Yormark said, hey, we're done for now. I think even that in a holistic sense, like we're done adding you know everybody. Basketball obviously is a change, but like adding a basketball only member or basketball, baseball, like, you know, some non-revenues plus basketball is a different thing than like fully going and adding the four, four corner schools because they're joining you in every single way, shape, and form, right? You're adding Gonzaga really for Gonzaga basketball. Um, and I would honestly just want to make them a basketball only member. Now, that complicates things with certain leagues because certain leagues, you know, WCC, like, wouldn't just want to let them walk just for that and might not want their teams in it just for other sports and whatnot. So that's what makes it challenging. Also, I think Gonzaga baseball is an excellent addition uh, to the big 12 baseball conference. Cause they are a really, really strong baseball program, but yeah, it, it's a little bit different, right? So things do change. Things do change, but we have to admit too, that it is a bit different. So when Brett says we're done, you know, what does it mean? We're done. That probably means we're done for right now and whatnot. Uh, number two, like I think it's pretty believable at the moment that the Big 12 is not interested in those schools. And here's the thing about this. This is kind of the third part of it, right? So like I believe Brett's reporting number two. That's, that's where I'm at. Number three is this. This could change if the Pac-12 finds out that, hey, there's a, there's, you know, they get the control, excuse me, if the Oregon State and Washington State do get control of some Pac-12 assets that are worth stuff and they're able to sell those off and make some money from it and then join another league. Uh, you know, so if they have uh, a lot of money, you know, they might want to, you know, and want long-term security. The big 12 offers that in exchange for money. Like maybe yes, that could happen, but we're a long way off from that happening because that has to come together. Those two schools are in a court battle right now. They need control of the PAC 12's assets and they need to understand the assets. They've even said as much, right? There is no definite situation where those Pac-12 schools 
Washington State and Oregon State are about to come into a ton of money because the situation for them right now is they have to get control of it, number one, but also see if the debts that the Pac-12 has has and the assets line up, right? It's a financial decision. It's not just a financial windfall. It's guaranteed, right? That's what, And that's what they have been saying. Folks from those universities are like, we want everybody to give us patience because we think we need to see what's happening here. So like, do we join the Mountain West? Do we join the Pac-12? Are we a value to other leagues? They want to wait and they want everybody else to wait to see what their situation is going to be. So I do think that, you know, things do change. We have to admit that. But also at the same time, too, I think it's pretty fair to acknowledge the Big 12, at least at this moment in time, does not have a whole lot of desire in that adding those schools because they just added four schools to the league. And, uh, you know, they crippled the Pac-12, which was something that's going to help the Big 12 because of late night competition. There is the Big 10, right? But in terms of late night, it's the Big 10, it's Mountain West, it's the Big 12. And sometimes those Big 10 schools are going to be playing in the East Coast. Whereas, you know, whereas we have like, I mean, the Big 12 does have East Coast schools, but BYU, Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, Colorado, like they're all in that zone and also Oklahoma State and all the other schools, basically central time zone, right? I know there is a balance in Big Ten country, but I don't think the Big 12 has any problem playing late games at night, right? They do not mind doing that. They do not mind having those later kickoffs for those games. So uh, I think that you're going to see more of the Pac-12, or excuse me, Big Ten premium brands like Oregon and Washington. They want to put those in pretty good windows, right? They might have some of them play late, yes, but think about this week, guys. ESPN is putting Oregon and Washington in the 230 slate. So television networks, like, they might put some of those late night games, yes, and USC plays late and people watch those games. Yes. But like TV networks, there's the big, the big matchups. They will still in some ways put those games uh, in, in earlier windows, you know, that they like to do that. Also, you're seeing the ACC. I know they have Cal Stanford SMU and whatnot, but like, that's not a ton of opportunities for late games. It's two teams. Yes. But like, it's not a ton of opportunities. And I think there's a lot of, you know, strong brands that people want to watch outside of those like if you're going to do Clemson versus Stanford at 9 p.m. Sure. It's a little bit different, though, than doing Boston College versus Stanford, Virginia Tech versus Stanford, which I think is a pretty good brand game. But like still, those schools have not been good recently. So it's a bit more of a challenge. Right. So the Big 12, like the Big 12 is not in an inventory deficit when it comes to late night programming. Um, that's kind of the big advantage that those schools give. And also, if you're waiting for a time where those schools has have really low amounts of leverage to add them into the conference. Like that's already come and gone. Like, like those schools are at a low leverage point. You know, they, they might even get kicked further down, but like, what else are you waiting for at this point in time? They have to power athletic departments, right? So if you have to power athletic departments, like you do need a certain amount of money. And so you just can't completely kick the crap out of them in a negotiation where like they can't function the athletic department anymore and they can't be competitive in your league. Like you cannot handicap league members in that way, uh, you know, and I think Stanford, Cal, and SMU, like SMU's got the funds to take care of itself. Uh, Stanford and Cal, I mean, I think, you know, from a uh, from an athletic standpoint, like they can they can go some places to get some money. I don't know if Washington State, Oregon State can go places and get that kind of funding 
to make sure that some programs get sustained um, if they take a massive financial hit. And it's pretty clear the television networks do not have a really strong uh, interest in them. And when you think about Gonzaga, like what the addition of Gonzaga means, it's Brett Yormark gambling on basketball being a massive hit and potentially splitting the basketball and football packages later down the line. That's what he is gambling on. Because I think it sounds like it, it might cost the conference a little something to do this. And so he is gambling that the next TV contract is going to be a uh, strong one in 2030. And we're talking about premium college hoops. He is banking on the idea that the Big 12 offering the best, the most premium, if you will, the best college hoops is going to be the asset that ends up paying off for them. And so it's not, it's a different proposition. Adding Gonzaga is for a specific cause, right? Adding Gonzaga is a specific risk that you are taking that you are basically saying we have the best league in the country. We can create this unbelievable premium basketball product that features Baylor, Kansas, K-State, Houston, Gonzaga, Arizona, et cetera, right? We have this unbelievable television package when it comes to hoops that we offer. And that's something that I think even like with time would, you know, even, I mean, even if programs cratered, I'm actually getting the Kansas news today, even if programs took a big hit, like you'd still be okay. Um, and, and there's less of a big hit. I mean, you know, these basketball institutions, man, like they rarely fall off. You do not see basketball powers fall off normally unless they hang on to a coach for too long, like Syracuse, but Syracuse basketball was Jim Beheim. Georgetown basketball maybe is one of those two that you could say, yeah, it's, it's fallen off uh, a bit, but Kansas with Bill Self, as long as he is around is going to be an absolute machine, right? Uh, Arizona basketball has a variety of coaches and has been a machine. Scott drew does not appear to be going anywhere at Baylor university. They are a machine. Gonzaga with Mark few as is becoming even becoming even more so a machine because they're putting more guys in the NBA than they have before. So I think that's all stuff that we have to balance here about what is the goal of adding Gonzaga. It's not about getting into the Pacific Northwest. It's not the goal of doing something like that. And if you're talking about, Hey, well, Pullman market, like Washington state does good ratings, generally speaking, because of when their games happen, not because of so many people being interested in the Cougs. This is not saying they have a bad fan base. This is saying that that is your advantage. That is what you provide and you present right? That's what Oregon State does as well. Washington State's ratings are a bit better, but like you're kind of getting what I'm saying here with this entire situation. Washington State's been a pretty decent program in the last 10 years or so, right? Ever since Mike Leach was there, been a pretty decent program, even with um, Nick Rolovich, pretty like still respectable program. And they're, they're doing a great job, obviously, this season too. And so it's a, you know, I would love the idea of adding depth. I would love them not to be left behind. But the problem is, is that I think these are two different things, right? Gonzaga is not a precursor to adding Washington State and Oregon State. Would it be nice to have schools in that zone? Yeah, in that area? Sure, it would. But this is about future value in hoops. This is not about overall value and in getting into a new market, if that makes sense. At least that was my read on this situation. You all may disagree. That is your prerogative, but that's that's the way I saw it. All right, folks. Let's talk about the Big 12 power rankings for football that I have for this week. So 
there is a thinning that is beginning uh, to happen, you know, or, or a kind of, I guess, a, a mixture, you know, mixing together. Like the results, you could be like, all right, this team ahead of this team because of results. Those lines are becoming more blurred because more teams are playing each other. So I try to stick as much as possible with the head-to-head results and letting folks kind of stay based off head-to-head results. So this is what I have this week as my power rankings. Oklahoma's up two spots from, uh, to number two. They were number three before. And I said, look, until they show me for sure, it's a great team. And they did. They showed us. They showed all of us against Texas. Texas down a spot because it's a close game. They almost won, right? You have to put them at number two, in my opinion. Number three is where debate can begin. I have the Kansas Jayhawks at number three in my power rankings. I have West Virginia at number four. They didn't play last week. I had them at number four, I believe, before. I'll still keep them there. I've got Kansas because Kansas, besides a little stretch there against Texas, like they've been playing winning football you know, all year. And Texas is a really good team. They're one of the 10 best teams in the country, I'd venture to say, uh, relatively like convincingly. At least right now they are. And Kansas was competitive on the road with them for a, you know, a period of time and then they got blown out. But like there is a clear step down. And so if I'm asking myself, all right, which teams am I care- comparing Kansas to? West Virginia is the number one team, right? I think that game is a pretty close game. Most places where you play it, I think it's a really competitive game. I'm giving KU the edge because of the way they consistently always bring some offense. Right. I think once again, save that Texas game, their offense has been consistently very strong this entire season, specifically running the football. Right. They ran the ball effectively. I mean, they've run the ball effectively essentially all of their games uh, up to this point, you know, in this in the season. And look, like, you know, they're going to get tested this week, I think, against Oklahoma State. That's a three point spread right now. And this week's slate is a real, it's a real uh, future Big 12 great look the kinds of games it'll be providing. And I think right now this, I think I like Kansas ahead Jalen Daniels or no Jalen Daniels, right? Cause these teams have dealt with some injuries at some key spots and they're doing their best, you know, to, you know, both the quarterback, right. And they've actually absorbed them and, and done pretty well despite those injuries. And I know West Virginia's had a bunch of their back end too. So we'll see if that gets tested this week against the Houston Cougars. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I think, I feel pretty confidently of putting them number three. Like, I, you know, I'm not wavering on that. When I was comparing those two schools. I put them three and four. And look, if you look at the Big 12 standings right now, and I know once again, we're early on in the season, but if you look at the Big 12 standings, uh, Kansas is in fourth. West Virginia obviously is second because they are two and oh. But if you look at like the way the games have been, you know, the scoring in the games, West Virginia has 44 points in five games, right? That's, that is the number they have. Kansas has a hundred and three points in their five games or six games rather so far this year. So unless uh, West Virginia goes out there and puts up like a massive number, like they're not going to be that close. They can still put up 33 and they'll still be, you know, 30 away or, you know, in the, within 30 of what KU has right now, West Virginia's defense is the big difference. Their, their defense has been fantastic. Uh, you know, with the 34 points allowed all year. And I mean, what they got, um, Let's see. I'll make sure that's true. Uh, in conference play, excuse me. It's, it's what it ends up being. Um, but yeah, like you think about like what they've done this year so far uh, and you know how well they've been scoring. Uh, points for, excuse me, and out of conference. So 132 for West Virginia uh, to Kansas is 216, right? And the only one game difference there. Points allow West Virginia, 95. 
KU has allowed 153. So West Virginia's defense has been much better. To kind of take into account, you know, the results of the year so far, West Virginia's got a great win at TCU, and they've got a really strong win at home against Texas Tech. That pit win is hard to consider really, really good at this point, but I, I like the way that they won the game. But if you go to Kansas's resume as well, the, I think the way that they've taken care of their business uh, has been pretty impressive, despite the fact that it's been a revolving door quarterback, right? The Illinois game, Illinois probably isn't very good, but hey, look, like they were in control of the game the entire way. Nevada's not a very good team, but you, you know, it's kind of their uh, pit game in some ways. BYU game, that was close-ish, but like they were able to stretch it out a little bit late, and they always were able to move the ball. Texas loss is there, and honestly, that Texas loss and that Penn State loss are pretty comparable. These teams are really close. And then you have the UCF win, which was a blowout victory. So I'm going to give Kansas just a little bit of an edge, and they have a little bit of a coaching edge. Uh, you know, the the run of the football offensively, big edge there. West Virginia's edge, obviously, on defense. Worried about the injuries they have there, but it's pretty close. I mean, it's really, really close. You go either way with that. But I'm going to put Kansas. It's an upside play. It's more of an upside play on my end, but that that's where I'm going. West Virginia is there at number four. K-State is number five because as as bad as they looked, as bad as they did look last week, I mean, they didn't look that bad in the Missouri game, and they, you know, that's that's the other game they've lost. Uh, you know, can you in good faith put BYU and Texas Tech, those are the schools I'm comparing next, could you put them ahead of K-State? And I think the answer, at least to me right now, is no. I do not think that uh, you could put BYU or Tech ahead of K-State. K-State drops three spots. I have them at number two. They're down to five now. Um, but I still feel like, you know, neutral field, all things equal, like they're still they're still in a pretty good spot. And, um, you know, I, I, could, I might be totally wrong. I mean, they'll play Texas Tech this week and a chance for them to go behind. But Tech has had bad moments. And so I'm about to slingshot Tech, but Tech, they have to do the job this week against K-State. And we're going to talk to Chris Level about this. Uh, for Thursday's show about Texas Tech and are they ascending? Are they actually reaching the level that we thought preseason they could reach? And I think that's a really fun and interesting conversation because I think we're going to see Texas Tech in this top five. I think there's a I think there's a chance Texas Tech could be the third best team in this league if they keep pressing forward. Right, that West Virginia game obviously a difficult spot for Baron Morton to come back in to make that start. But I think that's you know I think that's where it could be trending if things go south for WVU, maybe south for KU and Texas Tech ascends. Uh, but BYU, you know, I I don't I'm not blown away when I watch BYU play. They are opportunistic. They are a strong football team, but they are not like a really amazing outfit. They take advantage of your mistakes. They are not a you know they're not a machine on offense in any way, shape, or form. It feels like you know they don't have a true identity yet on the offensive side of the ball. Their defense does do a good job putting them uh, in some good spots and making plays, so I have to give them that. Um, but yeah, I, that's why I have Tech there. Tech beats Baylor. Baylor might be terrible, so I'm putting them at number seven just kind of as a tester. BYU holds firm at number six. The back end, Iowa stayed up three spots. Matt Campbell, baby. I mean, you you know, like TCU, it feels like they should be better, but they are not, right? So I'm going to put Iowa State up there at number eight. And if you think about the teams behind them, TCU and Oklahoma State, uh, they've beaten both of those teams. So by that kind of, you know, head-to-head -head at least this point in time, and they also did it pretty recently, due to that, I'm going to put them there. Now, one loss they have in league, guys, is to Oklahoma. So you feel pretty good about where Iowa State is right now. They're playing a lot better football. They're 3-3. Three and three. They're 2-1 and one in the league. Matt Campbell is doing a very 
very good job. TCU number nine. Them in Oklahoma State, man, it was it was close because like as good as Oklahoma State played against uh, Kansas State, they could have actually won that game by a lot more, and they didn't. Um, you know, they still have that loss to South Alabama that is there, right? They still have that, and I'm kind of evaluating resumes. You know, I think it'll be more current form as we go along, but still, like that South Alabama loss is sitting right there and needs to be accounted for when we are considering them. So that's why I have them there. UCF at number 11, they got pounded last week against KU, but I don't know if I can put them further back behind Cincinnati, Houston, and Baylor. So eight, Iowa state, nine, TCU, 10, Oklahoma state, 11, UCF, 12, Cincinnati, 13, Houston, and 14, Baylor. Uh, I don't know if on a neutral field or, you know, like, uh, and basically it's kind of how I think about it. I don't even know the rest of the way, like if Baylor will beat any of the teams ahead of them. Uh, they've got to be, I mean, they've got to be last right now because the way it just seems like things are not clicking between everybody involved on that team uh, right now. So I, I think that is where I'm at. These are the Big 12 power rankings, but things are getting a lot more difficult to do. Let me know what you think of these power rankings in the comment section. All right, folks, we'll be back tomorrow with Chris Level talking Texas Tech football. Also a little bit of a preview of uh, Houston and West Virginia. All right, folks, talk to you tomorrow.